Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. It is finally race week. This summer break felt extra long because we literally had zero drama, which still hoping that's famous last words. Uh, but we're thrilled to be back. We are so ready for the rest of the season. Lots of exciting things coming this fall. So stay tuned. This weekend, we are heading to Verstappen Central. So if you are really missing that Dutch national anthem, you might even hear it more than once this weekend, if you're lucky. (laughs) So as usual, we'll dive into a Dutch Grand Prix preview, plus the latest headlines. And then as our quick special topic, we're going to go through a roundup of what the grid got up to this break from super yachts, family time, everything in between. I'm Tiggy. I'm Jessa. And I'm Sarah. Jumping into the preview, what better place to kick off than the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort by the beach and just letting the max train continue to roll here. This is basically like the Super Bowl for Dutch fans and Max's Orange Army will be ready to party and celebrate. It will be orange flare galore. We saw a little bit of this in Austria, but this is going to be just even much, much more. The race director did say he's dedicated to providing a secure and welcoming atmosphere for fans, regardless of whether or not they're part of the Orange Army, and called out wanting to welcome Ferrari and Mercedes fans as well. They've also discouraged people from bringing bringing flares, so we'll see how that pans out. I really wish people would cool it on the flares, because it's just distracting for fans, distracting for drivers, everything, but... That might be wishful thinking. Yeah, I I think so, Sarah. So let's talk about the circuit. Zandvoort is a very unique location. It's in the beach resort town of Zandvoort, very close to the beach, cuts through all of the beach dunes. It's really beautiful. And it's also less than an hour from Amsterdam, so it would make a very great GP visit. Um, That's something that we said in our how to attend a GP episode. It's like nice to have the best of both worlds. Um, it's a very old school classic track, kind of like spa. It's also one of the like very traditional demanding tracks. Some of the drivers really love it. It's one of the shorter circuits on the calendar at 4.2 kilometers, 72 laps. Turn one is called Tarzan, which is awesome. It's like a hairpin turn. And in general, the track is pretty twisty. It has two banked corners that are really, really steep. They say that it's steeper than IndyCar, if that helps anyone kind of picture how steep it is going to be a lot of stress on the tires, wear and tear. So we'll have to think about that, especially for teams like Ferrari and Haas. It'll be 14 turns with two DRS zones. The first one is on the short straight between turn 10 and 11. And then the second is after the exit of the final banked corner at turn 14. And lap record is Hamilton from 2021. So for some history and background, the Zandvoort track has been central to Dutch racing culture for decades. Its history spans back to the 1940s. There's an interesting World War II story here. So the mayor of Zandvoort believed in the potential of racing for the future fortunes of his town. So he started planning around building a permanent racing facility, but unfortunately, World War II halted those efforts. So he kept scheming, basically told the Germans he would like to hold a parade for the winners of war. So they built a new road. This was a way that the mayor could avoid locals being sent to Germany to work as prisoners of war. And instead, the road they built eventually formed the main strait of the new circuit. So lots of fun history there. 
It was home to the Formula One Grand Prix from 1952 to 1985 when the circuit went into a period of decline. So it was having to constantly make updates, repairs for safety. There were some fatal crashes here in the 70s. And to keep up with FIA regulations and the financial burden of that was a bit too much for this one. Some new owners really got the circuit back on the map in the 2010s, which luckily for them coincided with the meteoric rise of none other than Max Verstappen. And it finally returned in 2021 after being canceled in 2020 for COVID. So now it is back on the calendar and the number one driver hails from this country. Sarah, I feel like you need to go to that. We all need to go to this race this summer, I think, or next summer. I think it'll be really fun for you. (laughs) I would love this one. I also love Amsterdam. So that could be that could be a fun trip. We recorded the recap for this race last summer actually in Copenhagen after watching the race from Dublin. So it was a fun race to be watching from Europe. Max won here last year, but it was definitely a close one with Mercedes being really on the pace for the first time that season. We had a yellow flag and a VSC that impacted Tyron pit stop strategy in Red Bull's favor. Hamilton also lost out big time, was cursing on the team radio. In the end, we had Russell in P2 and Leclerc in P3. So let's jump into the teams. Red Bull, like what else do we have to say here? Max is really set to break a big record here this weekend if he wins. So it'll be Vettel's record for most consecutive wins. Uh, That record is at nine. So if he wins this weekend, it'll be 10. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm thinking about this weekend is will Checo, will he have relaxed enough of a break to come back and have, you know, a better weekend shaking off the pressure? And then overall, the big question here is will Red Bull keep it up in terms of performance, consistency? This track is um, pretty challenging. The team is, has been sandbagging a little bit, saying, you know, we never know what's going to happen. This is a hard track. Max not, might, might not be able to pull it off, but um I think if if all signs point to how they have been pointing, we'll have a pretty pretty good Max Max Red Bull weekend. Yeah, I feel like so much of the Red Bull rhetoric over the break was like, it's so lonely at the top. We can't wait for everybody to like come and challenge us. I'm like, eh, wishful thinking anytime soon. But Ferrari, Charles is coming off a nice podium at Spa, so that's good with momentum. Hopefully he'll be able to keep that up. Um and hopefully help the team as they try to overtake Mercedes and Aston Martin fighting for P2. We shall see. But for Mercedes, so last year Mercedes were big challenges challengers to Red Bull at this track. According to Toto, the team has now shifted focus to their 2024 car in the hopes of coming back in actual championship contention next year. But it's interesting. What do you guys think in terms of the timing there? Does that does the timing make sense for the switch now? Should they have switched focus earlier, later? I I think halfway is kind of a good point to reevaluate and see how they're doing. And I think it definitely makes sense to shift at this point. I think earlier it would have felt too much like throwing in the towel really prematurely. And I think also for the fans, I guess Tiggy you could speak more to this, but I feel like it's really hard to kind of tell your fans, oh, only however many five races into the season we're fully shifting the focus yeah. to next year. I think they've still had some solid podiums, solid really kind of top five performances in a very competitive arena kind of for P2 with Ferrari and Austin Martin and now McLaren. So I I think it makes sense. I'm kind of hopeful that 
maybe McLaren style, they can have a big turnaround because I think they do. I guess I have been saying that for literally a year, but <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I think you're right, Sarah, but I, I do hope that like we don't go get to the first race next season and everyone's like, oof, Mercedes really should have been working on this car way sooner. So let's hope for the best there. <laughs> well, there's also like when you tell the public you're shifting focus True. versus internally what's going on. 100%. So yeah. You never know. <laughs> But the other hot topic here is Lewis's contract. It is crickets. It has been crickets for the past month. Only 10 more races until he becomes a free agent. And Toto has said, quote, I'm doing everything I can to make him stay. What's going on? What's going on? (laughs) Because I feel like it was at least a month or two ago they were kind of saying, oh, it's just the lawyers. And it's gotten to a point where I don't think they're just – fighting about merch revenue and yeah. like the 1% of merch revenue anymore. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this was kind of – I mean, everybody would have been asking the questions anyway, but it feels like it was a little bit of a messy PR situation. Like why send that message months ago to everybody when there's no paper signed by now? I'm still not sweating yet. Like I don't think this means Lewis is retiring, but I think in like a month, if we still haven't heard anything – I'm going to be a little nervous. <laughs> All right. We'll check back in with you in a month and yeah. see if you're sweating. <laughs> yes. All right. Talking about Alpine, this team is kind of also sweating. They don't have an official new principal. And Renault management has been searching for a few weeks. We have to see what happens. There have been there has been some like chitter chatter up and down the grid that the leadership overhaul has done more harm than good. I think we kind of said that last time um, and that the team is really struggling with branding and finances amongst other things and having a vacuum of leadership at the moment is definitely not helping them. For McLaren, the big question is whether they can keep making these huge step for- steps forward or whether we'll see other teams in the midfield start to close the gap. On the upgrade front, Stella did say they have a bunch of upgrades coming, mostly low drag solutions to help on the upcoming high-speed tracks like Vegas and Monza. If they're done in time, we could see them as soon as this weekend, which would be great because they've struggled a bit kind of reconciling their setup on some of these lower downforce circuits. Piastri has definitely started gaining more confidence, said as much during a recent interview, saying he kind of has more credibility to work with the team now, give them feedback. Cannot wait to see how he does the rest of the season, wrapping up hopefully one of really the most impressive rookie seasons in recent memory. Yes, we're so excited and hopefully McLaren can keep keep the train moving. For Alfa Romeo, they are not bringing upgrades until Monza, but they're currently in ninth and trying to take eighth from Haas, so we'll see how that effort goes. For the drivers, Josie is still not confirmed, so I'm sure he'll be hoping to have some strong performances and get that signed for next year. One thing... It's interesting thinking about Joe not having a confirmed seat because I almost think when we're talking about contract debates, and I think we've talked about this before, it almost feels like Botas could be the biggest wild card for early retirement because I think besides Lewis, it seems like he just has the most going on outside. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, which we'll get into, but I don't know. I, I was kind of feeling after break like I wouldn't be surprised if Botas – ends up being kind of a surprise departure. Yeah, he technically I think is on until 2025, but if he if he did early retirement, maybe that would give Joe um, a little bit less time in the hot seat. We'll see. Yeah, I feel like that was our hot take a few episodes ago or whatever, and one of the things he said is that he was 
excited or as excited about the prospect of like racing for Audi or racing for one of the new outfits. But yeah, I I think I can't remember who said it. It might have been my prediction that he's like leaving, but I feel like he's just yeah, he's got a lot going on. <laughs> I feel like he wants to go like biking and be out west and stuff. And it's tough in this seat to kind of keep the momentum, I feel. True. It's one thing when you're in a Mercedes and like you're winning races, but. I think Botas is more American than we were this month. Well, we'll get into it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> for Alpha for this seat, we technically have a seat up for grabs because Danny is kind of just like the midseason fill-in. He doesn't actually have a contract for next year. So if he wants, let's let's see if he can have a standout performance in his spot for next year. But do you guys think Danny wants to race for AlphaTauri next year? Yeah. I think if he's not in the Red Bull seat, which I really f- think – I've said it before – I think is unlikely yeah. for next year, I think he'll absolutely want to to lock that seat in. But do you think he he'd want to race. be in a different team or does he want to stay in like the AlphaTauri Red Bull pipeline? I think he wants to stay in the Red Bull pipeline, and I don't know where else he would go. I mean, if there were a better seat that opened up for him, I'm sure he would weigh that. But I feel like Alpha Tauri, the connection to Red Bull, is probably his best bet for now. I don't know. Where else would he go? Yeah, and I think at this point he's gotten over kind of what he had been saying last year of, oh, I would rather be retired than be in a bad car. I think so much of what he said about – feeling really refreshed by the time away from the grid and feeling the hunger to be back in it. I think it weighs towards him just wanting to stay at AlphaTauri if that's his best option. So I've been very bullish on the Danny Rick front, but I definitely think he'll at least be offered that seat for next year. For Haas, they are expected to bring upgrades to help them with tire deg, which has been a really big problem for them this season, a big part of why they cannot convert some fast Saturdays into Sunday performances. They're currently in eighth, but Alfa Romeo is on their heels, only two points behind. So stay tuned for Haas. Also excited for them having the big American swing this fall. I feel like there's going to be a lot of Haas action. (laughs) Exactly. For Aston Martin, after they had a little bit of a slump in Spa, but they had a really obviously insane start to the season. I think the team said they think they've figured out what they need to unlock performance-wise for the rest of the season, so expect some upgrades there. I think, like we were saying with Mercedes, a lot of teams are starting to focus on their 2024 cars, but team principal Mike Crack says, we are not switching off the tap. It's full on, so... Expect them to keep trying to compete in the development race and see where they go the rest of these 10 races. But I'm excited. I'm hoping Alonzo and Stroll are back up there. And for Williams, so Logan's seat is not confirmed yet. I think there are a lot of rumors swirling around there, whether Mick could take the Williams seat or if Logan deserves another year to sort of prove himself. But I'm excited for this back half of the season for them. Albon, there was a lot of chatter about him over break being a very, very hot ticket for the 2025 cars and seats. So we'll see. Williams, again, I think has really impressed us and we're excited to see them keep that up. And Logan has two home races this fall. So lots of pressure. Okay, hot takes and predictions. Sarah, cover your ears. This is going to be the hottest one of all. And if it happens, we need to do something special to celebrate. I'm saying a non-Red Bull win. And I'm going to say McLaren on podium. So basically, Max doesn't win. And McLaren will be on podium. <laughs> At his home race, could you imagine? With Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love how you've even 
subliminally taken Checo out of this. You're like, oh, doesn't mean doesn't win. It's only Max that's in contention. Oopsies. <laughs> it's she's not wrong. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm gonna say both Mercedes in the top five. Just maybe delusional thinking here, but we're coming back strong. Welcome to my world. We can be delusional together, Tiggy. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say a Ferrari on podium. I don't know. Feel good for them. Feel like they've kind of been slowly just struggling along as they do Ferrari style, but I don't know. They but the drivers had eventful breaks. They're feeling hashtag recharged. <laughs> hashtag recharged. Cannot wait to discuss that. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. News this week. So number one, the IOC is considering adding motorsport at the 2028 LA Olympics. We talked about this a little bit already uh, over Instagram and all of that, but the decision is expected to be made by the IOC in October. Its competition is flag football, cricket, lacrosse, baseball, softball, breakdancing, karate, <laughs> kickboxing, and squash. So, wait, wait. <laughs> breakdancing. That's insane. Yeah, breakdancing, I think, is debuting at the Paris Olympics, which is crazy. There's like all these promo pictures of people breakdancing in front of the Eiffel Tower. Um, but in terms of motorsport, it's not clear which form, but I think all signs are pointing towards electric karting. Um, I forget who, but someone had kind of made a debut at the Junior Olympics or like some, one old driver was trying to debut electric karting at like the Junior Olympic event. Um, so it seems like that's the most likely to be in the pipeline. I love it. We we talked about some we talked with some people in DMs about this. It's an interesting prospect because would it be a true formula situation where they would all have identical cars? I don't know. And it's it's hard, I think, in some of these sports that have such distinct situations. I think they face this with golf a little bit, where kind of the top stars aren't actually going to the Olympics. Um, so I don't know. I love the idea of bringing motorsport onto a higher stage but I feel like and it's definitely more of a sport than breakdancing sorry breakdancing or flag football (laughs) (laughs) or karate for that matter um but I think out of some of the other options here like lacrosse baseball softball squash I think those are kind of what we think of as the more traditional Olympic spectator sports and also are much lower lift for them to be able to logistically have like it's a lot easier to build some squash courts or a baseball diamond than a, a circuit with pits and everything um, and and team garages, yeah, yeah. So I think this is probably mostly rumors, but it's a very interesting prospect. I can't wait to see what happens. I think it would be really fun. But those are excellent points, sir. Yeah, I think of all the sports, I'm really surprised squash is not already an Olympic sport. That mm-hmm. to me seems like the biggest shoe in. 
but I would be here for some motorsport Olympics by 2028. <laughs> who knows? Like the people who are in their prime now could be like, yeah, maybe I'll just go to the Olympics. Maybe that's what um, <laughs> Lewis and Botas, they'll both retire. And exactly. That. They're just waiting for this announcement, right? Lewis and Botas reunion for an Olympic <laughs> dream team. Plus Alonso. He's going to be like 47. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great. In other news, Felipe Massa and his lawyers officially sent a letter to the FIA and F1 seeking compensation for his, quote, lost 2008 title, arguing that Crashgate caused him to lose lose it. They're seeking tens of millions of euros in compensation. And the letter basically states that the that F1 and the FIA deliberately ignored the misconduct that cheated him out of that title. So for context, Massa was a Brazilian Ferrari dr- driver and Crashgate was when Nelson Piquet crashed while Massa was leading the Singapore GP. Alonso was Piquet's teammate at the time. He got the victory of that race instead. And then three races later, Hamilton won his first championship that year just by a single point over Massa. So he's really digging up digging up old blood or whatever you would say it and trying to and it was really just it was one of the biggest scandals in f1 history because it was found that the crash was intentional right. to help alonso yeah. win which was just just absolutely wild and the f1 and the fia theoretically knew about it at the time but did not do anything but in terms of logistics here so This letter is a step before any legal action or lawsuit. It's called a letter before claim, but it is trending towards the lawsuit direction. It was sent to President F1 President Stefano Domenicali and FIA President Mohammed Ben Salam. What makes it extra spicy is that Domenicali was Massa's team principal at Ferrari during this whole thing during this year. So, kind of wild that you know, 15 years later, he's getting this letter. But part of what they are claiming, what they're pointing to, is Bernie Ecclestone's comments back then that he now says he has no recollection of ever making. But according to F1 Insider, Bernie had said, quote, we wanted to protect the sport, save it from a huge scandal. At the time, the rule was that the World Cup ranking was untouchable after the FIA award ceremony at the end of the year. So Hamilton was offered the trophy and everything was fine. I still feel sorry for Massa today. He won the final in his home race in Sao Paulo and did everything right. He was robbed of the title he deserved while Hamilton had all the luck in the world and won his first championship. <laughs> wow. It's pretty crazy. I like an interesting how Hamilton is being brought into this or into those comments. Like it's, it wasn't Ham- like Crashgate wasn't Hamilton's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's sad because I think everyone had gotten over this. It was a crazy scandal, but it was 15 years ago. And then Ecclestone really just dug all this up unnecessarily with those comments. And he's quite old old now. Who knows to what extent like other people would kind of agree with that recollection or corroborate that. But I totally understand why Masa's upset if you think there was nothing that could have been done or maybe that's what you've told yourself. And then 15 years later, the bosses are like, oh, actually, we all knew, but just don't want to deal with it. I understand yeah. why I'm upset, but I also think this isn't um, a particularly, uh, I don't know, not not necessarily the right recourse for the situation. Why do you think he's bringing it up now then? Is it because people have been talking about it more or do you think it's just because he's looking to get a payout or what do you guys think it is? Well, if someone tells you you have a chance of winning tens of millions of euros and you were cheated out of your rightful title, like you would probably jump on that. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree, Sarah. Like, I think Crashgate 
definitely one of the sketchiest things to ever have gone down <laughs> in the history of the sport. But I feel like there's zero recourse for him here. Like it's one thing if you're talking about an event during the last lap of the last race of the season that decides the championship, which is <laughs> happened in more recent history. <laughs> but we're talking about like the fourth to last race, a crash that happened pretty early on in the race where he also had a pit stop debacle later, which affected his results. So Sarah, I will defer to you as our resident lawyer, but it seems to me that you just like, you can't claim damages for something that's fully speculative. There's no way for us to know if he would have won the race without Crashgate, how those next three races would have played out, you know, had the events been different. So I don't know. I also think F1 would not go down without a massive fight in order to avoid setting a precedent that someone can rewrite F1 history 15 years later. Yeah, exactly. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, F1 is not going to allow a situation to happen where it there can be a precedent set that you can reopen a championship decision 15 years later. So I think it's a real uphill battle for Massa here. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. Last little bit of news here. We saw some climate protests early this week ahead of the race at Zandvoort, kind of similar to what we saw happening at Silverstone. But basically, protesters from the Extinction Rebellion invaded the circuit to block paths and stop cars going in and out to try to, like, stop the whole setup. There was also some pushback and tensions with the local taxi drivers who were threatening to disrupt this year's GP at Zandvoort over whether or not they were allowed access to the circuit or the kind of circuit access that they would have. Okay, for our special topic, Silly Season Roundup. I guess the nice thing about summer break for everyone who works in and around F1 is that you truly get a break, mandatory shutdown, the whole nine yards, different from, I think, any other time during the season. But the sad thing for the rest of us is that Silly Season can be very boring and very not silly, which is exactly what happened this year. I think we got spoiled early with the Danny Rick bombshell, then Otmar's departure, and then just nothing. So instead of diving into all the contract updates, breaking news, we are going to give you a roundup of what the grid got up to over break. But first, Sarah, I know you have lots of thoughts on the recharging batteries (laughs) phenomenon. This was probably the biggest silly season drama. (laughs) Yeah, this was really all we had to work with. But I just find it so funny. It's actually as if it's in every F1 driver's contract. There is such a formulaic social media regime that all of them do, which is number one, they post a photo after the last GP saying, oh, can't wait for break. Potentially say, quote, recharge the batteries in that post. Potentially say it later. I think Charles said it in the original Instagram post. Then what a trendsetter. Post a vacation dump. And then that's potentially when the recharge the battery comment comes. So that was, I think, George Carlos put obviously just photos of them on a yacht in the Mediterranean with the caption something like recharging batteries. Step three, which is just as obligatory, is then they all get back from vacation and immediately post photos either in the gym or in the simulator saying, recharge, so ready to get back. We're ready. We're hungry. We're refreshed. (laughs) It's just so – it's almost as if they feel the need to justify the fact that they were on vacation by then – posting themselves in the gym it's it's so interesting but it's funny because like I could totally see that being written into contracts but then somebody like Yuki Tsunoda or Lewis who has been dead silent on social media the entire break like are there PR people just like you do you man turn your phone off like whatever 
<laughs> so funny. We'll show that your batteries are recharged. Come Zanvort. <laughs> <laughs> Let your results speak for themselves. Everyone was recharging their batteries, but what were they doing to recharge their batteries? So we're going to tell you that. And for the roundup, we're going to go in reverse driver's championship order because that is what the season really needs. We have nothing else going on. So reverse order. Let's start with Danny Ricardo, albeit kind of unfair to put him last since he's only raced twice, but we're going to start with him. He is one of the many who were in Ibiza throughout this break. He was plunged deeper into the cult of Martin Garrix. He attended a show with Heidi, his girlfriend, George and Carmen, and there was just a great series of photos with Carmen, Heidi, George, and Danny doing like a double date situation with Martin Garrix, just loving their lives. And of course, he's been repping his Enchante merch all break as well. He also posted a photo with Tiesto. I guess also oh, we yeah. say having lunch. Preliminarily, I do love Martin Garrix. <laughs> when we were in Miami for the race, I went to Martin Garrix, but uh, Lando and Max started off break by just immediately taking a helicopter from the race to Martin Garrix, which I think was actually the best moment of Silly Season. That was very iconic. <laughs> <laughs> for Logan Sargent, also bringing up the rear here, not a lot of content from him. He was back in the U.S. with friends, sort of just hanging out, having a very American time. If you look at his Instagram comments on his like one photo dump, it's like all American flags and eagles from people. <laughs> so that was the vibe for Logan. For K-Mag, uh, very cute and family-friendly, uh, which makes sense. He didn't have, I feel like, a lot of content either, but it looked like he did some SpawnCon, maybe a podcast in, you know, Danish, and hung out with his family. So Yuki, like we were saying, was quite quiet and on the DL on social. So who knows where he was, but maybe he was doing a little bit of an unplug recharge moment. On basically the opposite end of the spectrum, Joe was in China. He was back in Shanghai. He's a huge celebrity in China. Uh, he's posted videos before of kind of his reception when he goes back, and it's absolutely massive. He was, of course, doing a lot of fashion promo as the resident, probably second-place fashionista behind Lewis, or maybe someone say a young Lewis in the making on the fashion front. <laughs> he was promoing a Lululemon collab, so... Lots going on for him on the fashion front. For Botas, this is probably my favorite one. He was in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. There was like this massive gravel mountain biking race that I think him and Tiffany, his girlfriend, were like co-hosting or he was doing like a lot of announcement. He dressed up in some sort of like Simpsons Duff beer outfit and did the race. So a lot going on for him. It was great. He just seems to love all this kind of Western cowboy mountain stuff. Him and Danny, but Botas, I feel like really lives it up in practice through all this biking stuff out West. It's really cool. That's great. And I love the dynamic he has with Tiffany, who is a professional cycler. So he's just hopping on that train and following her around and they just seem to be living the life, which was great. For Nico Hulkenberg, he celebrated his birthday with family and friends. Low-key, great to have a birthday during the August break, so that's nice. I think he was back in Germany for a bit, vacationing around. Also was po posting pictures with his wife, so very sweet, all good things. Um, hopefully his batteries have been recharged. I'm not sure if he you know, put that in writing, but I hope he did. <laughs> <laughs> for Alex Albon, he was golfing with Lily in Ireland. Then he went to Mallorca because he saw that Sarah and I went to Mallorca. So then he had to go as well. <laughs> for Pierre Gasly, 
Pierre and his girlfriend Kika, they were with family and friends in Portugal and the Mediterranean. I wonder if all the drivers, because they're all in the same ocean or the sea, they're just like passing each other on boats or just do like raft up in the middle of the <laughs> beach of the sea. Um, but he was on a boat I as know. Well. I was wondering like the Daniel Ricardo, George, Carmen, Heidi situation, is it a pre-planned thing or it's just like, oh man, responding to an Instagram story, like, oh my God, dude, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> well, I think with that situation, George was on his plane or they were on the same private jet flying to Ibiza. So, but their caption was like, look who we run into on break or whatever. So I think that one was planned, but they must like run into each other. Everyone and their mother was in either Ibiza or Sardinia. I feel like this break. <laughs> so. Right. It's like Corsica, Sardini- Sardinia, Ibiza, Mallorca. They're all just there. Yeah. With limited exceptions. <laughs> Side note, I love speaking of Botas and Tiffany and, you know, Botas doing biking. I love that Alex is golfing with Lily, who is also a professional golfer. So all these men and their athletic women. It's great. For Oscar. He was busy during the first like couple weeks of silly season. Maybe that's just a rookie thing, but like he was doing a lot of training after spa. Then he was doing some media stuff. He was on Matt and Tommy, if you haven't checked out that interview. But then he did get some time to, quote, recharge the batteries when he headed to Portugal with Lily, his girlfriend. Um, so, yeah, but I wonder if rookies like have to work a little harder during silly season doing media and stuff. I don't know. For Esteban, he was naturally boating in the Mediterranean with Mick, his bestie. They looked like a 90s boy band, as has been much documented across socials. So (laughs) they were living it up. Loved it for them. For Lance, he was doing – or he had a very iconic, like, Instagram dump moment of the summer. He had party pants on. He had bucket hats, just living his party boy life. Lando also on a yacht, jumping it out, jumping off of a yacht. I think that's also probably in the contract. Having a photo jumping off the yacht. If you're on one, they all had one. <laughs> For Carlos, like Charles, he was also in Sardinia this break, so not reinventing the wheel here. George, as we said, was in the Martin Garrix cult with Carmen in Ibiza. He was in a lot of tropical destinations, foiling and hovering in the ocean. But that's another thing we haven't talked about yet. That's another contractual obligation is either the jet ski photo or the foiling photo. They are obsessed with those things. (laughs) Foiling's hard. I was pretty impressed by his form there, and Carmen was also doing it. So good for them. For Charles, he – there's a trend here. Also busy on lots of boats in Sardinia and Corsica with friends and family. He also released a new song. Our producer is still in the studio cooking up the beats. Mon <laughs> 23, for those who have yet to check it out, it is kind of in the same vein as the others. But- <laughs> <laughs> if I played each one, would you be able to tell which, which one they were? Or is it kind of all? I would definitely be able to tell the first one just because, you know, that really hit deep when that (laughs) dropped. But (laughs) I don't know about the other two. Um, The Riva Yacht Collab definitely coming in handy for Charles here. Exactly. Um, Lewis off the grid. He definitely had a couple Instagram photos here and there, but we respect the off the grid moments. Someone tagged us in a story that said, quote, I've been as MIA as Hamilton this break, and we definitely feel that. So hope he got to reset. Uh, That said, we have some hints of what he got up to. He was riding his Peloton on the back of a super yacht. He had some good family time playing cards with his niece um, and nephew, and that looked very sweet. So good times. Hopefully- 
he he's recharged. <laughs> For Alonso, he spent it seems like all of his Instagrams were taken at the Fernando Alonso Museum that I think he just launched. <laughs> I don't know if it's a new museum, but like he was like records record visitor days, like all these people coming in and he was having a good time. So if anyone deserves his own museum, it's Alonso for sure. Not quite as iconic as last summer. What was it last summer? He was on a yacht in Greece and Otmar couldn't reach him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iconic. For Checo, he was home with family, also posted some vacation paddleboarding pictures. So not quite a foil, but still counts in the same vein, I suppose. For- well, if we're talking about water sport spectrum, that is on one end of the extreme. Let's for sure. <laughs> um, he also did a, like a thing with Kit Kat, by the way, just in case anyone was wondering what snacks. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I guess oh, he likes Kit Kats. <laughs> I still need to watch this, but he had a big video come out with Red Bull for Vegas promo that was, I guess, him and Christian Horner doing some. It looked like they were kind of trying to be Ocean's Eleven style. Um, <laughs> and there's a Red Bull hanging off the side of Caesar's Palace in Vegas. So Jeez. we'll post that when we watch it. That looks looks very fun. Also, Christian Horner, of course, posted some water sport videos. I think he was wakeboarding. Nice. And to wrap it up, Max Verstappen, also in Sardinia. Some very wholesome family time. I think he likes to be the wholesome family family man of a driver he was holding hands with kelly's daughter penelope kelly posted a lot of really cute photos i always love seeing photos like that of max it just adds a nice depth to the persona of the man up on podium for me (laughs) it's interesting he's kind of in the headlines again for a statement he said about yeah you kind of realize how much of life you're missing out on when you're in f1 like you kind of question if it's all worth it it's interesting that he's so public about those statements. I think it's something – it's definitely a luxury of kind of being at the very top and winning and kind of having established your place as a champion. I feel like you're able to make comments like, oh, is it all worth it? Whereas if a driver further down the grid was saying that, I feel like people and fans would just be saying, oh, well, then someone else will take your spot or, yeah. oh, then you're not working hard enough. But it's a great point because it reminded me a lot of – Daniel Ricardo made a comment – a couple of weeks ago kind of saying how his time away from the sport really gave him a lot of perspective. And he said something which is crazy, which is like, oh yeah, I was able to go to a bachelor party, which is something I was never able to do before, which it is wild when you think about like every single weekend being booked for basically three quarters of the year. Um, and so I guess I wonder how much kind of coming back from August break is is fun and they're excited to get back versus like, oh, this is what it could be like if you weren't booked up every single weekend. Yeah, I imagine it's definitely a bit of both, but at least they're on the downhill in terms of, you know, half of the season's done. We'll see. With that, we will chat to you all after Zanvort and so excited to get racing again.